two weeks of tournaments. It has been thrilling. It has been exciting. There's been goals. There's been cards. There's been uh, South African heroes. There's been villains. There's been teams eliminated. And from 12, there are now two. In the wins, in the men's tournament, it will be Australia versus Belgium, the two perennial seesaw world number one over the past 12 months. Will lock horns tomorrow in the gold medal match. Well, in the women's, the two finalists were revealed today. It's Argentina and it is Netherlands. Lots happening in that semi-final, uh, in those four semi-finals. Lots to digest. And joining me today to discuss it, Moabi Magbi and uh, AJ Springsook, two gentlemen who uh, both know the coaching side of the game fairly well. Of course, Mo has, of course, tasted what it's like to be at the Olympic Games, to experience that with two different teams. And, um, yeah, your your insight is going to be great, yeah. It is uh, what some people didn't want to accept at the start of the tournament, but probably everybody's the neutrals final tomorrow. It is Australia versus Belgium. How we got there, Australia beating Germany, a late, late goal uh, when Germany had taken the keeper off, making the scoreline look a little bit more comfortable than it was. Well, Belgium, inspired by goal-scoring machine Hendricks, were just too good for India, who have, of course, become... The second people's team to uh, to obviously the South African men. Let's talk about the men's games first. Uh, Mo, let's start with you. What stood out for you from the two uh, semifinals? Yeah, I, I think it was just in general terms, just the quality. Um, I think both games were really competitive, really engaging, um, very very tactical. Um, I thought the first quarter of the India Belgium was the best hockey I've watched all Olympic games, particularly on the men's side. And that was partly because the way India started, the intensity of the pressing, the ball comfort, the willingness to play the ball and challenge uh, the Belgium um, press shape uh, and zonal uh, was fantastic to watch. And, and of course, the Belgians, you know, with all their experience, uh, I think one of the things they do really well is when you get a bit of momentum, they're, they're really good at kind of absorbing it. Uh, I think Steve mentioned it the other day, just being able to dig your heels in um, and, and waiting till a, a later stage in the game to to really have a go to, as you've touched on it, uh, Hendricks, you know, goal scoring machine. He's scored 14 goals, uh, 12 corners. And I think that makes a massive difference in close games uh, when you want to really uh, open up the game a little bit. Um, he's making a massive difference in, in that sense. So really playing Belgium, um, it's kind of like a Swiss army knife. They've got so many ways to unpick the lock. You defend counters, they hurt you with build-up play. You defend build-up play, and they open you up against uh, with their PC battery. But uh, like hats off to India, phenomenal game. And, and I think what India did really well is... You know, they played with a lot of bravery um, and really it was just the fourth quarter that really un undid them. Um, and just the Germany game was really close and ultimately a game of chances. 
Hendrix is an interesting specimen in the sense that uh, in 2016, he was left out of the Belgian side. Um, and some were surprised, but he used that as his motivation to, to make sure he was never droppable again. And uh, he really has been absolutely sensational in this tournament. I mean, we've, uh, we've seen everything he's done. He's scored goals. He's become an absolutely, uh, you know, brilliant asset for, um, for Belgium. But that's the great thing. And, and you touched on it there is that, um, uh, is that if you, if you were to close Hendricks down, you're going to have to deal with someone else. I mean, they've got, I, I mean, just looking at the stats, Belgium have scored 34 goals in the tournament. 14 of them have come from Hendricks. But this is the thing that's more impressive. There's three from Boone. There's three from Gonard. There's uh, two from Brills. There's one from Denaya. There's three from Charlier. There's two from Dockier. There's one from Ambobel. The J, uh, JJ Doman has three. So the goals are spread around. How do you stop that? How do you stop a team who have not one danger men, but 11? I think um, just before that, I think India was on their way to stopping that. Because I think when Mo mentioned now that Belgium have so many different ways of, of opening up a team, India had obviously done their homework really well in, in the areas of the field that they needed to um, defend. And I think bar a few mistakes that they made in defense that obviously opened up Belgium, um, opened up the game, um, Belgium obviously took some of their chances. I think the problem is it, it, it becomes man v man battles. You know, it's, 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 you obviously want to defend really, really well against a side like that because all, all 11 players have got to pull together really well, but it's the one V one battles that become very important on the field because obviously Belgium love to move the ball around. You know, it reminds me back of the, the Barcelona days with uh, the likes of Iniesta and Alonso where they just loved holding onto the ball and just moved it around. I think it's a very difficult situation to try and, um, defending but I think the way that India took the game to Belgium is the way that some teams need to approach it when we go back to this African game so Africa took them on but took them on briefly and then once losing the ball then they were all over the show so I think if, if you can have somebody like India that took them on in that first two chuckers where they really took the game to them well I, I can even say three quarters um, that bravery that most spoke about that that those type of mentalities is what you've got to take into it um, depending on what type of defensive structure you play against them. I think that's all boils down to um, the areas of the field that you want to win the ball, but whatever you do, you've got to just be brave. You're going to take it to them. And I think that's, what's going to make this final so interesting because the Aussies, I mean, they also so fluid with the way they defend. It, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Belgians cut that open. Yeah. They definitely create, yeah. they create less than Belgium. I mean, you can just look at, at statistics and I know statistics are not always uh you can always use statistics to uh, favor yourself in any way and tell whatever story you want. I know this because I'm a numbers person. But uh, <laughs> if you do look at the statistics, the one thing you'll see is that Belgium creates a lot more chances. Australia are more clinical with their chances, but don't create as much. Now, when it comes to final, we saw that. I mean, 25 shots to nine for Belgium against India. Australia played a lot closer to their chest. 
I mean, they've got Blake Covers, who's been a fantastic player in this tournament, but a five out of 19 conversion rate is, is frankly pretty poor in terms of the standards that we've seen across the tournament. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, Tom, what I would say is I think this Aussie team is a little bit different to some of the past Aussie sides who were maybe uh, one-dimensional in, in the way that they played. I think having Colin Batch come back you know, who, he obviously stopped in New Zealand and before then he was in Belgium and he obviously coached the Belgian men's team. There's definitely been an evolution to their defensive model. There's, a, I think there's a better mix um, and they, they're a bit more agile than they've been in the past. I do think for the game against, obviously, Belgium, uh, that defensive um, system of theirs will obviously be pressured. I think Germany did the same. Germany got, I believe, 12, 20 circle entries uh, against them, but, but I think the key thing is the chances, I'd call them half chances that Germany were able to generate were really low quality chances, so I think they would be comfortable with that. The Belgians are definitely going to ask questions there, but I think the, the essence of the Aussies being able to turn over and counter at speed, I think that's something they're going to have to be able to do against the Belgian side, uh, who, who are obviously very, very good. Um, so that aspect of their style of hockey is going to be really important. I think PCD is going to be important. Obviously, Hendricks, you know, he's proven to be the difference maker, particularly in the close games. So Charles will be in for, uh, you know, uh, a superb performance. He's going to have to play well. Uh, the Aussie, the runners have done a really good job as well. So that will be absolutely critical. Um, I think, you know, with all these compliments by Belgium, it's also clear that given the right conditions, any team can feel pressure, right? So that was the first game that I saw Shane was really quiet, having a lot more to say, even to umpires, right? That's pressure. They even started high pressing quite late on the game, uh, which they don't ordinarily do unless there's certain triggers, you know? So even they had to problem solve a little bit against India to try and get some slightly different results. Obviously they did it in, in small bouts, but the point is, if you're getting them to, to move away from their bread and butter, so to speak, to move into other areas, to try and solve things, then you know you're doing really, really well. And the key thing is you have to take your chances. So when the, when the Dutch have beaten Belgium, they've scored and they've continued to score. I think the mistake that has been made, and, and I say that with respect, not a mistake in that sense, is the teams that have been able to score kind of sit back and probably give them too much respect to reorganize themselves. So the mentality will be critical. Yeah, and I think just to, to tie, sorry, to tie to time that, I think you make a good point about the, 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 the taking the chances. Because, I mean, Germany, we said, had, yeah, had 20 circle entries and Oz only had 10, and they had 53% of the possession. So Ozzy was obviously quite keen to hold, to, to, to stay back. But the importance is nobody's really put the Belgians under pressure in the sense that score one and then try and get one quite soon afterwards or, or keep the pressure, like you say, on them. And we know that the Aussies, when they feel like it, are very, very in-your-face 
the in um, from a defensive point of view. I mean, they they physical. They 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 will run for days. That that high anaerobic systems that they like to 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 use. So that's what will make this quite interesting. Although Oz will probably look at the game, look at the games against maybe Belgium against South Africa, maybe the the game against India quite carefully from where the Belgian weaknesses are, um, and and starve them of possession, which is going to be interesting because. Australia have been very uh, have been quite keen to sit back and defend in in most of the games, even the games that they've won quite convincingly. Well, and and when you talk about convincing wins, if we go to the last ten fixtures between these two sides, um, and we we have a look at it, I think the biggest victory was Belgium got a four one win. Um, back in the twenty nineteen Pro League in Melbourne, but other than that. Usually, it's a draw or a one-goal win um, for for one of the two teams. It shows these two are evenly matched. We've seen them trading um, world number one uh, punches almost uh, regularly as uh, this day, this one's world number one, that day, that one's world number one. And we can tell you categorically, whoever wins the final will be world number one. So it's not just a gold medal. It's a world number one. It's a, you know, the bragging rights. It's the, I mean, it really couldn't have panned out any better, in my opinion, when we get to two finalists. Yeah, I think this is the dream final. I see Justin tweeted about it. Uh, I think very early on, these were the two teams that uh, probably set the bar. So as a fan of hockey, I think really looking forward to this game. Um I think it'll be competitive and, and, you know, I think we've seen it in lots of games, small moments, uh, critical, um, and just, you have to take your chances. You know, mm. there's, there's not that many out there. Uh, I think discipline will be key. Things get emotional. Uh, and, and that's the other thing. Belgium haven't got a whole lot of cards. I just think also because they've controlled most of their games. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they manage that. Uh, Tyron, obviously you put out a graphic about the amount of experience they've got. I think that's huge um, in terms of how they manage the games and how they problem solve on the field. It's almost as if they've got coaches on the field. That's that's how much experience they've got on that side. Um, mm. But again, given the right conditions, everyone feels pressure. I mean, Mo, let's just talk about that graphic. Belgium average more than 200 caps on average per player. Just for some South African context, our South African men don't have a single player with more than 200 caps. And uh, Belgium, have their whole team averages more than two, 200 caps per player. It's something like two, 220. It's incredible. And from an average age point of view, okay, Belgium are a little bit older, but that experience, I mean, they're in that team. They have players who've won the World Cup. They've got players who've won the Europeans. They've got players who've won the Pro League. They've got natural-born winners who have been in those situations and have done it. And yeah, some of the golden generation are coming to the end, but what a way to add a glittering gold to your collection. I'll, I'll throw something in the tire, and I think with... Obviously, we've spoken quite a lot about the experience. I think the other factor, which is not spoken about that much, is Shane, I think, went to two Olympic Games with New Zealand uh, as head coach. 
um, and he went to Rio with Belgium. So this is his fourth Olympic Games, right? Uh, Ned's obviously been as a player, and he took Ireland uh, to, to Rio. So when you also talk about experience, you're also talking about the people who aren't on the field, right, who are able to plan, manage, because they've also been there and they've been exposed to the type of pressure that you have in Olympic Games. That makes a massive, massive difference um, in terms of your performance and how you manage different things. So for a team that can leave out uh, Brills, who I think is close to 300 caps himself, uh, takes an exceptional team culture and exceptional management by the coaching staff because most teams, I think that would be a problem to leave out a guy with that many caps. But I think for Belgium, it's not. Yeah, I mean, you've also got to talk about the fact that involved in the Australian program is a South African and Dave Staniforth. Involved in the Belgian program is a South African, or very involved because he's there as the assistant coach, is uh, Ned Craig Fulton. And so at least one South African on that side of the program will be picking up a, uh, a, a winner's medal in, in some way. We also, of course, have Greg Clark involved with the Indian as the assistant coach. He's also the head of uh, the junior team, the under-21s. And so we may see him in South Africa, or we may see him in, in the Junior World Cup pretty soon. How, how important is, that, is it that the South African community takes the lessons that are available from these coaches? I think, time just to, to tie in with that, I think it's a, a it, it first of all is for, for people to understand that we have you know, sometimes we say, yeah, because we are we, we regarded as a fairly small country, Naki, that we might not have the knowledge, but we've just proved by what you just said that we have quality all the way through that can work at, with teams on the highest level, which is credit to one, those people. Um, Mo, you, you, an example of that as well, working as high performance for a lot of countries around. And I think it's, it's, it's really, it's something that as a country we should be proud of. And one thing that we should learn um, that we can use that and, and use those people for our ability or for to to grow our um level i know greg greg helps out a lot in south africa and various other coaches um i think it's very important for our country to have those sorts of things that like a lot of them have said that they'll go overseas and they'll come back in a little while uh, i think it's massive i think it's a it's a big thing it's it's really impressive and i'm, I'm proud to see those guys doing well with uh, with one of the some of the bigger nations or big hockey nations around yeah aj i couldn't i couldn't agree more i, I think so some of the experience that these guys have, you really can't pay for it. Um, you know, and it's really up to us here to, to kind of reach out and, and I think build that bridge. Um, and because I'm sure people are willing to share whatever they can share. Um, and I think, you know, we could start something relationship wise, mentoring wise, um, that could really help us kind of move forward. Uh, with our coaching on a national level, obviously on a provincial level, uh, so that it filters down to club and schools. And I know in the WhatsApp group, there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, how we should do that. I really think that's one of those things we, we need to make a solid commitment um, towards and, you know, and, and action it, um, you know, post-event, post post-Tokyo. I, 
I want to touch on that just briefly, Tyron, if you don't mind, which is now that we've mentioned it, I think something that I think is very important, irrespective of the result, I know obviously the guys, good results, uh, they'll still be frustrated with some of their performances. I know the ladies will probably be disappointed with their campaign. But I think if we look at it as a whole, I do think that there are. It's, this is a landmark moment for SA Hockey. And the reason I say that is because we've seen a lot of things. First of all, we back at the Olympics. I think that's that's something that is that is a massive tick, a massive step in the right direction, and it's something that we need to now build on going forward. I think the second thing is obviously looking at those performances. The guys, obviously, we've been speaking a lot about the girls. Will obviously have a lot to to take from there. But I think, like we mentioned in that WhatsApp group that we have, that we're discussing about all these various things. I hope that this is the start. I mean, like I said, is I'm everybody's offered their, 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 their expertise to try and help because all we want to do is we want to see South Africa selling at the highest level against the best teams in the world. And I'm hoping and I really hope that this is a landmark moment for us as a country in hockey that we can that we build on. Now, we know that there are a lot of other factors than just um, the normal that we just see on TV and we, we all know what those factors are. But I think it's a start. And with the likes of yourself, the likes of um, coaches, the, the foreign coaches, the South African coaches overseas, as well as people back in South Africa, I think it's a, it's a really, really special and vital moment for us as hockey. While we speak about these things like Australia and Belgium, using those type of things and working forward, because yes, three years away when Paris happens is not far away in, in the bigger scheme of things, there's a lot of tournaments to happen in between there. But I genuinely think by the time we get seven years time to LA, that we need to be one of those teams that making a quarterfinal must be the norm. It mustn't be, let's hope for it. It must be the norm. And I, I really think that this Tokyo 2020-2021 Olympics is the moment that that this changes for SA Hockey. Um, and like you say, with action, with what are we doing now? What's next? Um, so I'm quite excited about that, along with the, sorry, I just brought it up with a discussion of all these SA coaches. I'm, I'm very excited about it and, and, and seeing how I can help indirectly or directly to try and make sure that we, we, we start, start talking medals on the hockey's front, you know, um, which, you know, I get goosebumps thinking about it, but it's, if we get more results like the Germany result, I mean, who knows, men and women might be challenging for medals one year and that's what we want. Yeah, I think uh, it starts with a clear design, a clear plan, both on and off the field. We've seen the on-field plan from the men. Let's see the off-field and make sure there's clear focus. Guys, before we close on the men, it would be remiss not to talk about a absolutely superb tournament for India and what that could mean for hockey. It is... An yeah. Indian men's team that uh, won the 2017 Junior World Cup. They are a team that have utilized the investment of Hockey India League to develop themselves. And of course, they are playing for the bronze medal. They've got to get themselves up from yesterday uh, or from today. Yesterday, sorry, it all blurs in my mind. They've got to get themselves <laughs> back up and ready to go for... Uh, a big match, a medal match against Germany. Uh, there is this element that Germany don't really care about bronze medals because they are a winning team, whereas it might mean more to India. I don't think that's true. But uh, 
Yeah, can they do it? Can they give one last push and, and get over the line and take a bronze medal that will be massive for the game of hockey? Yeah, it's high. And I think um, even before the, um, the GB game, I was on another webinar where the Indian coaches were talking about the significance of this particular Olympic Games. Obviously, it kind of ties in with the last time India did well. I think it's been 48 plus years. Um, so, And then secondly, there's a commercial aspect that I think you just alluded to, that having you know, uh, a following in India watching the tournament this late on um, could could do something for the game globally. I know the uh, IEC uh, is certainly looking at, at those sort of metrics. So I think for hockey, that's fantastic. Um, I quite like the fact that we have some slightly different teams um, in, in the final four. Yes, we've got the usual suspects. Uh, and I know some of the purists always want to see, you know, kind of the, the usual suspects playing. But I think the, you know, the unknown, the uncertainty of the business end, especially at the quarterfinal level, for me personally, I think it's great for the game. I know other people are very unhappy about, say, the India ladies winning who only won two games and, and are now playing for a medal. I don't really share their opinion. And, of course, they're entitled to it. Um, I think it adds a bit of drama. It adds a bit of intrigue to our game. Um, and that, and I'm hoping that makes it more interesting to, to watch. Um, so I think your point about the Indian men also applies to the ladies as well. Um, so, yeah, it, it could be a really significant moment for hockey. And it might even open up to restart that hockey Indian league, not just for men, but for ladies too. Yeah, I, I, I think I've got to agree with that. I think with the men's with the men's game, I think most of your of your hockey community thought that potentially the men would do would do well, um, more than necessarily the ladies doing well. So I think from the men's side, I think they'll still be absolutely ecstatic. They are playing, if I think they're gonna be playing for to secure their third spot on the world ranking. So they definitely there's a lot more motivation in that game than uh, what it was originally thought and yeah the ladies I mean that is incredible whether they won like you say whether they won one or two games and they're playing for medal is irrelevant they've got to win the games that are important and Shurt Marena the coach of the side won the games that he needed to win you know um, so I think it's it's really special that they both are there I think from the from the men's side, they'll definitely be wanting to to fight for that um, for that that third spot. And the India, the ladies have, I think they, I think they seventh at the moment. I think they current they current world ranking. So they, I mean, and I would if I was uh, what's name, that that's going to be a tricky game again for for uh, in that third and fourth game. And and for them to cap it off with a medal is is unreal. That's going to be. Yeah, that's just going to, again, I think then again, if we look at landmark moments, this is their landmark moment for India. And yeah, they, they're they going to move from strength to strength um, from this. And yeah, I can't, I can't wait to watch those both those bronze medal matches as well as the finals. Well, we've segued into the women's quite nicely. And, and let's stay with India. I mean, India-Argentina was never going to be the high goal-scoring affair that uh, we had seen earlier. It was always going to be a technically tough game. And India took the lead 2-1-0 up. They held the lead for a decent amount of time before Argentina leveled. And, of course, Argentina would score again. And there was just nothing left from the Indians who knocked on the door 
but once able to open it, I don't know about you guys, but for me, India, you know, they can be immensely proud, but much like the South African men against Netherlands, this feels like an opportunity missed. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I genuinely think they, they got Argentina. They definitely, I don't know if it's rattled them, but they just, Argentina again, slow start and they, they took advantage of that. Um, and yeah, definitely a, 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 um, a chance missed. But again, some of the experience from the Argentinian side um, came to the fore at the end of the game. Um, it's also one of the situations where, where, where India almost had to score a second goal quite soon just to try and settle the game a little bit. It's almost like at, at one point they were quite shocked that they had scored that goal. I don't know, it's quite weird when I saw it because they'd done it before. But it, it, it almost felt as if they were a little bit shell-shocked that they had scored a goal and then just got into the shell a little bit before they then got more comfortable in the game. Um, but yeah, a, definitely a frustrating um, frustrating game for them, knowing that they had Argentina, but the, tactically they were really good. They had Argentina's number at, at, at a lot of points here in that game. Yeah, so I, I, I would I would be frustrated on their side. And, and from the other side, I think Argentina would be relieved um that's just just my take on it because they they did they were scrambling a bit at one point they looked like they were they were they weren't quite sure what was going on and then slowly got into it and then got comfortable towards the fourth quarter and even then they were they were still making a few silly defensive errors yeah AJ, you know i think you're on the money it was a competitive game it, it was close for for most of the game really um yeah. Uh, and what I liked about it, and a friend of mine commented during the game that they liked that both teams were actually trying to play the game. And it wasn't a case of one team, say the lower ranked team, just sitting back and hoping just to, you know, grind it out. Um, there was actually open play. There was attacking play. And I thought, you know, just counter control, really important um, because both teams had that ability. I, I think Argentina looked marginally more dangerous. Um mm. You know, in the end, uh, obviously, they converted their PCs. Again, we keep coming back to PCs. So it's just such an important aspect, you know, uh, of, of the team's uh, tools. Um, and that made a difference. And really, statistically, they weren't that different. Mm. Uh, the, I think Argentina, their scoring efficiency was 33% and India was 25%. You know, um, so it, it was a close game. Um, and, and I thought India did very well. Uh, I put out a tweet earlier on today because India went to uh, Argentina in January. I think they played about nine games. I think they lost seven, drew two. They lost games to the under-21s. They lost the Argentina B side. And what I was really asking is, if you play a team and a style that often, you obviously get a lot of really good feedback right, in terms of what areas of your game they might attack. So I thought that India would be very well prepared and and I thought they played as well as they could um, today. And it just wasn't enough today. It's an interesting point because should Marine, uh, Yannicka and Michelle Yannicka uh, were, were both uh, removed from their previous jobs and they seem to have found a place and a team that works together with them and they've done a fantastic job. Um, and it's great to see. Of course, the ultimate test is going to come tomorrow the day after tomorrow, when they play Alison Annan's Netherlands. Now, Netherlands, before the game, the, the Brits did what the British do, and they spoke. 
and they spoke <laughs> about how they um how Netherlands are petrified of them. Netherlands are scared of them. And they try <laughs> to play the mental game um to say that, you know, we won in 2016. Well, you didn't win, you drew and you won on a shootout. But they try to play that and uh yeah, it seemed to galvanize because uh post post game today, Mogo van Geffen. Um, she came out and said, listen, we weren't scared. All they did was encourage us to beat them even better. You know, we've humiliated them so many places and they want to talk about one draw. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, on the field, there was only one team that was ever going to win that game. And uh, the best team in the tournament, the best team in the world, the best team in Europe are have the opportunity to be the golden team at the Olympics now. I, and I and I just th- thinking about it, you you have a team like Argentina that are obviously very passionate, very um, uh, they just they just love the game. I don't think they would go out saying a few things like that. So I think they'll be as much as they'll they'll bring the passion on the field. And but yeah, it's 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 they've they've done so well. I mean, and and I actually want to pose a question to Mo because I've got my thoughts on it. But when a player when a team does that that well. Where do you, and they haven't set a foot wrong in the whole tournament, you know, like Belgium conceded four against South Africa in the men and Australia had a little bit of a hiccup in the semi-final, maybe against Germany, but Netherlands haven't actually set their foot wrong. So where, where do Argentina start to try and unpack to how, how, how they should take on this final? Yeah, I mean, AJ, I think that's a, that's a great question. Um, that's, the go- that's the golden question. <laughs> yeah, and no one, no one who's there has really solved it, and I don't think it's through lack of effort. I, I think that the one thing we all have to acknowledge is this is a phenomenal team uh, with a lot of depth, um, and even in the small pockets where teams have been able to to have a run at them, and probably GB did that pretty well in the first pool game. Germany did it in small bits and pieces. Um, they still look comfortable, mm. right? And I said to a friend of mine. I thought they played much, much better today uh, in terms of their intensity. And I, and I think maybe some of the tablet material added uh, a, an extra element to, to, to their focus. Uh, I mean, I never got the impression that this team isn't focused. Um, I think they, they want to win gold and they want to make sure that, you know, they're dominant and ruthless um, on that journey. Um, so, we haven't seen a team that's been able to compete with them over four quarters, maybe a quarter, maybe two. And I think that's also going to be a challenge for Argentina. Um, uh, two, I think even on an off day, that Dutch team, a slightly off day, still have enough quality to compete. Uh, they also have lots of experience um, in these type of moments. Um, and I, and to be honest, I, I fully expect them to, to to win the game. And you're asking, how do you play this Dutch team? I think, like all offensive teams, you have to force them to defend. Yeah. Right? And and if you saw them, I think, in that GB game, even the Germany game, when they lost possession, the amount of effort that they put in to regain the ball was incredible. Mm. So we know they can defend. We know that. We just need a team to force them to defend more than they've defended in the tournament. Mm. Uh, two, I know they have a good keeper. 
who obviously hasn't done a whole lot and by no fault of her own, uh, I think what, ha- what can happen is if you get into a dogfight in a final and you haven't had a lot of things to do, it's very easy to make small errors. Um, and, and perhaps that's a question that Argentina will try and ask them, particularly in uh, PCA versus PCD. Um, and I think lastly, a bit like playing Belgium, you have to be brave. And I think if you're afraid, um, eventually they put you in under pressure and you crack. But the Argentinian men, uh, coach, who's obviously coached both teams for two Olympic games in a row, yeah. I think he's a confident guy. I think he's very good at setting up his teams to play to their strengths um, and will look to frustrate the Dutch as much as he can uh, and, and take advantage of those small opportunities. Uh, and I fully expect the Dutch to, to be prepared for that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the game unfolds. Well, let's bring up the statistical side of things here. Argentina have scored 13 goals and they've had 83 shots in the tournament. Whereas Netherlands, who have scored 26 to double and had 50 shots more. Um, Penalty corner conversion has been pretty poor from both uh, Argentina with just 8 from 45. But the Dutch, uncharacteristically, just 10 from 62. Very poor for their standards, but they are dangerous. They've scored more field goals in this tournament than Argentina have scored goals. Mo, you raised a very good point. Josine Koning has played every game and has only had to make eight saves for um, for Netherlands. Her counterpart has had to make 20. Um, has conceded, obviously, more goals as well. So, yeah, when you look at the stats, attacking circle penetrations, you've got 190 plays, 110. This Dutch side are an attacking threat. You've got Ava de Gouda, who is world-class. You've got Phineas Albers, who many people said shouldn't have made the team, who's been sensational. You've got the goal-scoring hotshot in Frederik Matla, who honestly scores more goals than I think she, she brushes her teeth in life. Um, we actually, yeah. to be true, haven't even seen the best of Ava yet, who was fantastic in the European Championships. I mean, and the list goes on and on and on. Margot van Geffen, uh, Lawrence Dam. Uh, you know, these are experienced players. They're players that have been around the world. They've won around the world. Their discipline has been really good. Um, just two yellow cards all tournament. You know, you go over to the Argentine side, also a very good side, but, you know, the odds are stacked against them for sure. They are fighting a big uphill battle. But once again, I do believe that uh, if they can get ahead, we've seen the Dutch have been a team that lead from the front. And that's what they know. They know that they're going to lead in the game. So if you could get in ahead, uh, get ahead, could you create some doubt in Alison Allen's team? I mean, surely you I could. Think, I think you could, yeah, that you can. I mean, I think that the key is if you get ahead with one goal um, and they go behind, they still got the experience to be able to calmly go about their business. You know, people like Leitave Valton um, that has got so much experience in those types of situations. I think they, they'll they be calmly going about their business. I think the key, like we said, is 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 if you go one goal up against them, it's, there's got to be a second that comes pretty soon or there's going to be a lot more pressure. I mean, Argentina are fairly good on their counter-attack, 
But then again, that will be nullified by the the Dutch counterattack defense, which has been pretty good. So it'll be very interesting to see what Carlos Rutegi actually does defensively against them. Because there's one thing you can do. You can either accept the fact that you are you won't have the ball as much and you're going to be chasing quite a bit and relying on um, your defense, or you take the game to them and open up the game a little bit and run the risk of the, the Dutch strikers using a lot of the space that you're giving them. So, yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting, but I, I think the Dutch will be quite, I think you've got to apply the pressure from ball one and keep it on them for a long period of time for them to then have those doubts and say, oh, now we need to chase the game or um, we need to do a few things differently that we haven't done. I do feel um, that the Argentinian side, you know, in the past is the type of team that can break them down. Whether it's this team remains to be seen. But I do think that that they've now got an opportunity, which I think the semifinal scared them a little bit, um, to get them on the front foot from the start, um, come the final. Yeah, can I can I just throw something in there, just food for thought? I think two things. Um, the old Argentinian teams were phenomenal teams offensively when IMR was there, mm. and the style was different. So, right, so they played really from the front foot. Um, the current coach has got a completely different model for playing. It's more let's be organised, let's do low activities in our defensive press and, and save yeah. the energy really to go forward. They still have those attacking players in the front line. Uh, and, and here's an example. Argentina have done 323 subs, right, in seven games, and the Dutch have done 611, mm. right? It's almost half. So, so even if they opt for a more high-intense pressing tactic, it's going to be limited, mm. right? Because they are essentially playing their better players for longer periods. And, and that's partly because their defensive model, they don't run that much. Pretty but patient. In a final, they're pretty patient, yeah. But in a final where you get to a fourth quarter, and we've seen it statistically, like how many goals are scored in the fourth quarter. So I think you need to manage that. And mm. based on how he's coached so far, I think he's quite a patient guy. And he'll set up the team to be patient. Uh, and wait for the right moments to strike. I think they know they're only going to have a few chances, and and obviously the plan is to take those. Um, yeah, but do, but you want to force his hand. Yeah, yeah. Do you, but 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 that I think that's the that's the conundrum. I think, oh, and that's the question. Even though he is a very patient coach, do you not think that one could he potentially risk it and say, well, nobody's taken them on. Let's give it a go. Or do you just back your team in the sense that let's give them the ball, let let them play around with it, and let's be patient on defense like we've done before? I mean, it would be pretty brave of him to change that completely and 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 play the final completely differently. But that maybe could be the way they win the game, you know. So that, I think that's that's the that's the interesting thing to look out for when they start on on what's today, Tuesday, on on Thursday or Friday, sorry. Yeah, yeah, AJ, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, I think that's what the hockey fans will be looking at. I think just from a coaching perspective, you know, if we play a certain way all the way to a final and you make a, a 360 degree change in the final, I think the messaging is 
can potentially make people nervous. Yeah. As in, why are we changing our bread and butter? Mm. Unless you have coached it and said, we'll play this way. And if we meet this team, we're going to add this layer and that layer. Mm. Right. Um, I think it's always difficult to introduce new things, particularly in a final. And some things you, you keep for finals, like PCs and certain things, but certainly not wholesale changes. Mm. Uh, I think there's a certain emotion in a final where you can be in danger of playing the moment instead of the match. Um, and you want to keep the day, so to speak, as normal as possible and take off as much pressure as possible um, when you head into a final. And I also think from a player, player, player perspective, I mean, the Argentinians don't have... Um, they, I mean, they've got a lot of players that have that have played internationally. But if you look at, there they are aren't many. I mean, if I, I don't know off the top of my head, there's not many that have maybe playoff experience at an Olympics um, as the as the Dutch have. Um, I mean, I'm just talking off the top of my head here. Um, but they still have the likes of uh, Baron Wevo, uh, Eugenie Trinchetti. Delfina Marino, so they do have some, but I'm just thinking like of the the player player for player, how to manage those emotions, those those critical situations. So it will be interesting to see the the mix. I just think they've got a good mix of youth and and experience in that side to potentially take the Netherlands all the way. Yeah, I think that's what they'll be hoping to do, and I think it will ultimately come down to execution. Uh, I mm-hmm. think all the close games. That's really what separated the two teams. You know, the team that can really impose uh, their game plan, their style, and and if things swing, the team that can absorb the the pressure or the change of momentum, and not pay the full premium. You know, um, so yeah, that'll that'll be interesting to watch. Um, and then just touching, I know we're talking about the final, but just I think there's also an interesting dynamic: the India GB game. I uh, did hear the Dutch coach at the end of the game just kind of give a, a rousing speech about how, you know, there's a bronze medal that's still there. Um, and anyone who's lost the semifinal knows how difficult it is emotionally, psychologically, to get people up. Uh, I thought the GB girls looked very disappointed. Um, so Mark will have a bit of a challenge to get them, you know, uh, ready for for that fixture. Um yeah. So it'll be interesting where people are emotionally um, for those respective games. Well, yeah. boys, it's been a great chat, but let's put your head on the block. Who is taking home the gold medal for the men and who's taking it home for the women? I'll go, I think for the men, I think I'll go 3-2 Belgium. Um, for, I, just, I just see them just being... Yeah, quite quite strong, but I'm going to go the opposite way, and I'm going to say for the ladies, I think Argentina is going to take a two-one. I just have this feeling that they've 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 got something in the pocket that they haven't used yet that they've been wanting to use, and I I think they're going to use it for the final. So yeah, those are my two predictions. I might be completely wrong, but yeah. Uh, AJ, because you're going with Belgium, who I think most people, if they had to bet their house to put money on them. Would probably do that. Uh, I'm going to go with the Australian men, um, I, but they'll need to be perfect, to be honest, yeah. to win the game. Um, but I'm going to go with them. Uh, and then I think on the ladies' side, uh, yeah, I, I think after what happened in Rio, where the Dutch ladies dominated GB, 
I don't think they've forgotten that. Um, I, I can't see them making a mistake. Of course, anything can happen. But uh, I think you four years more experienced. You, you, have, you had a bit of trauma. Um, I don't think you're going to allow this to slip through your hands. Yes, they may make you work for it. And I'm sure you're prepared for that. But uh, I'm a Dutch ladies win for sure. Yeah, there you heard it. All four finalists picked between our two uh, analysts. So uh, at least someone will be right. I, uh, I will tell you that my head leans very much towards Netherlands and Belgium. So I don't agree with either with both of their picks. So uh, it is Netherlands and Belgium for me, which are probably the bookies favorites. But uh, I'm just looking forward to some great hockey and great that it is at 12 o'clock South African time. So I don't need to wake up at 2 a.m. to watch the final. Of course, if you want to watch the, the bronze medal matches, you can. Mo, AJ, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for uh, your love for the game and for sharing some of that passion and knowledge with our listeners. To all the listeners, thank you. Uh, if you haven't seen it, join us. We'll be hosting a private chat uh, by tickets only with Coach Gareth Ewing called Coaching Conversations as he takes us in the back door of Tokyo and what went on. And of course, he will be available to answer a question and answer session afterwards. Check that out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Join in. It's 50 Rand. All money raised goes towards the men's program. None of it comes to my pockets. So don't worry, you're not funding me. Um, and yeah, join us in. And we got some exciting stuff coming. Of course, we will have a Hockey the Podcast Talking Tokyo, the final one, episode 94, day, whatever day it is, the final after the <laughs> men's final and the women's final on Friday. Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure. See you all soon. Leave a rating, like, subscribe, share. That's all it costs, but uh, makes a massive difference for us. Thanks very much. Cheers, Cheers Tyron. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you.